Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for that nice warm welcome. Even though it's not warm outside, it's warm in here. Amen. Did the praise and worship do great today? Amen. Amen. I do want to compliment them that you all can sing in the spirit more than for 30 seconds. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that, I was like, oh, they're still going. So I, I, I go to so many services and this aspect of our worship is not as strong as it used to be. So it's almost like I go into a pleasant, happy shock uh, when some of this stuff happens. So salute you. Please keep going. Uh, it is scriptural. What we've been doing otherwise is not as scriptural. We're only half scriptural. The other half we missed. You know, we're singing the, in our native language or English or French, or, and then we sing in tongues. We do both together. It's what we're told by the scriptures. So thank you for being biblical and not just carrying a Bible around. All right. Well, it's good to be back with you. I made it through our borders and got here, and tomorrow I'll see if my country will let me back in. And uh, I've never had so many tests and so many things I've got to do to just say hi to the Canadian people. But uh, I think your government and my government are still crazy. And uh, we got to keep praying for them to, to find the, the right path to get us out of all this mess. Amen. It's, I think the, the spirit of fear is the, probably the ruling spirit right now in both of our countries. It, it dictates so much. And uh, uh, living by faith does not mean you avoid common sense. But fear doesn't mean you become stupider. Thank you for the no amens on that whatsoever. You notice, I get on airplane, I've flown much, but I, I still fly a little bit in the States and here, and, and they, they go in and they clean out the planes and they spray them down and they do all that, which is great. I'm glad they do that. Then you come on and they give you a little, little, little sanitation wipe. You're supposed to wipe your chair down. And I'm like, why? You've already sprayed it down. You've already wiped it down. Did you not do a good job? And what's it? It's like emotional comfort packages. And I'm like, and when you don't take one, they give you a dirty look. I thought, you're crazy too. So, uh. Just welcome and enjoy the weirdness of the time. I mean, there'll become a day when we're all out of this and we'll be able to sit and tell our grandchildren and all them, here's what it was like during our pandemic that never seemed to stop. And, and, but uh, we're going to make it through. God is with Canada. God is with America. And he loves both of our countries and he is going to take care of all of us. We're going to have a good day, and we're going to be on the other side of this, I pray, very soon. Amen. And uh, if people want to stay in it, then you can stay in it. I want to come out of it. Amen. Amen. And I think most of you do, too. Amen. Tonight, we'll be having another service at 630. And I want to give you just a little prep of what I wanted to do about tonight so you can consider coming back. And you that are watching, maybe come in person. Uh, we're, we're glad you're there, but you need to come in person, too. All right? Uh, it, there's something that you get in a live dynamic service that you don't have online. Thank God for online, but please not let us become so comfortable with this that we forget to do this. Right. Amen. Uh, tonight I'm, I'm going to talk about revival, but I'm also going to share a little bit about my trip to Nigeria this year where I preach in the largest church in the world, a 100,000-seat church. Wow. And they are full gospel. They put all of us to shame. I'll say it like that. And, you know, as an American, Americans, exact, I, don't know, I think Canadians may not do this, but the Americans do this, that we have an evangelistic report. Does that make sense? They, they, if we have 50 people, we have 105 people. Evangelistic, we, we stretch things. All right, the joke didn't go over, but you got the point. So, uh, but it's, so I thought, 100,000 seats, okay, let's, let's just see if it's there. I mean, I've seen the pictures, but you can make pictures and angles look really good. You know, so, you know, so I went there and I walked it. It's two American or probably Canadian football stadiums under one roof. Oh, wow. So if you think about a 50,000-seat auditorium, it's two of them. It's like, and it's under one roof. Wow. And there's 100,000 seats and 100,000 of living bodies in every one of those seats. The last night we had 110,000 people. 10,000 trying to get in that could not find a seat, and they had to listen on the outside. So I'm going to talk about that revival. I got healed while I was sitting in the, in the service, and so I, I'm a product of the revival, and uh, I tell people, if you want to see Bible stuff happen, and you want to see revival stories you've heard happening, go to Nigeria right now. It's not coming. It's already there. It's happening, it's on Main Street, and it's on steroids right now. So it's running in a place where you, you stand amazed and shocked. I'm going to talk about 
all of that tonight with some other revival stuff. But, you know, if God can do it for the Nigerians, he can do it for the Canadians and the Americans and the Mexicans. Amen. But we're going to have to be a little like them, a little non-conservative. And you're worse than the Americans. You got that British thing on you. And I've mm, come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. Well, we're, we're glad to, to have you all here today. If you're here for the first time or if you haven't been back in the in-person church service, welcome. And I hope you feel comfortable. Sit where you, sit where you want to sit. Do what you want to do. Uh, I'll just say this. It don't matter whether you wear the mask or not. Whatever you need to do to be safe and secure, you do it and be happy. Amen. Amen. Uh, as I travel, the, the, the thing used to be mask or no mask. Now it's vaccine, no vaccine. It's like, just get over it and do what you feel is right for you and your family and have a nice life. Amen. It's, it's ridiculous how this stuff is trying to divide the church. Yeah. And we should be the one place where everybody comes together and there is no judgment Amen. on what they decide to do with themselves and their family. Amen. Can you all agree with that? Yeah. So please share that with people because some folks, are, 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 they don't understand that the church can be above all the stuff in society. Amen and walk in a unity and a respect for one another, which becomes a model for the non-believing community. So may this church continue to be that. Open your Bibles if you have them to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're finding that passage, I want to say uh, to Pastor Gwen and the team, thank you for pushing through and getting me legally founded in Canada now as a ministry and a charitable organization. We've been wanting to do that for years, and we had some difficulties a while back, so we just kind of gave up. And then Sister Gwen, as you know her, she's, a, she's an American stuck in Canada. Can I say it that way? She, she's loud. She's high. And I thought, the poor Canadians are scared of her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's but I think they've warmed up over the last few years. I think it's great. But I've always enjoyed her personality in that type of situation. And when the Lord gives her a project, it gets done. And may that kind of thing roll over onto you into your life and your business too. But I just want to say thank you for pushing that through and that we'd be able to come up to Canada more and be legal, not have any type of we're disobeying this law or we don't know about this. Now we're all happy. We can, we're fine and we're Canadian now. So, yeah. so thank you for doing that for us and we appreciate that very much. I've written 80, 88 books now. Uh, has anybody up here read all of them yet? One day we'll find a Canadian that will. And, uh, but I'm, uh, we, brought, we brought some stuff that you can pick up, maybe some Christmas gifts for Christians and things. We have a, a great journalist book called The Roaring Reformers. I, I wish everybody would love these guys like I do. It, it's hard sometimes for some of us in the time that we live in to understand somebody from the 1500s or the 1600s or even the 1700s. 1800s, 1900s, we, we get, but when we go far, we're like, oh. But if they didn't obey, we wouldn't be where we are today with our Christian faith. A man named Martin Luther, the German monk that birthed the Protestant Reformation. If there was no Luther, we'd still be doing a lot of Hail Marys and looking at relics and indulgences and all the things that was going on that time that his faith and revelations were, changed it and reformed Christianity where we got Jesus back personally. Amen. Before, for over a thousand years, we had to go through somebody all the time to find Jesus. You know, thank God for the good priests and the good nuns and all that, but they're not my mediator. No. Jesus is our mediator, Amen. and we're to point people to communicate direct with him. So you can go back and get this great book here on the Reformed Reformers about John Knox and George Fox. And, you know, George Fox, he was a wild one. He kept getting arrested. I don't know why some of these preachers seem to like jail more than church, but um, <laughs> what he would do back, he was British. Uh, he was, he's ever heard of Quakers? Yeah. This is their founder. Now, no Quaker I've met today acts like the founding generation. So you can't relate really to the Friends Society or the Quakers to what they were in the, in the beginning because they were a revival movement. Yeah. And uh, he came along and had like four basic revelations, what it meant to be born again, what it meant to be spirit-filled in the sense of being having the spirit and, and uh, being a part of the living body. And then the big thing that I liked about him, well, how to be a preacher. Because in those days, they decided, well, I'm a good speaker, so I choose to be a preacher. I'm going to, like, I could be a lawyer, I could be a, a doctor, I could be a teacher. I, could, I decided to be a preacher because I'm a good talker. And he came out against that and said, you do not go into ministry because you're a good talker or you choose that. God must choose you. And so what he would do, he would go to church where he felt like the pastor had not been called by God, and he would sit there and wait for the church to go through its preliminaries. And when he'd get up to preach, he'd sit up and say, yeah, and he'd go at him. And then the little deacons would throw him out and sometimes beat him up, and he'd and go back in. And go. He was a real feisty guy, kind of like Gwen. 
And so, you know, even though I know that sounds radical, but he really challenged and changed our church world where we got closer to having ministers that God had called and not just people choosing the ministry as another occupation. Amen. So you'll enjoy that book. And then I'm writing some new little books because I write little books because some people are scared of my big books. And uh, I'm, I'm a revival historian. I'm, I, I carry that title. I'm very proud to have that. And uh, so I've read hundreds of books, early thousands, and um, I've gone back into the, story, uh, into the lives of some of these ministers because they prophesied at times. Yeah. And some things they prophesied was for that moment and it came to pass. And that's nice to know that, but it has really no relevance to us because that prophetic word was not really to us. But once in a while, some of these men and women prophesied things that was for future generations. Some of them have happened. Some of them are still waiting to happen. I'm trying to pull those prophetic words out to have them present for us to look at today because we may be the generation that gets to fulfill that. And so I have the first two out. Uh, one, you've probably heard me talk about before, called the Smith Wigglesworth Prophecy. He prophesied three great revivals. Two have happened and one is still to happen. Maybe it's going to start in Canada. Amen. Amen. That might be great. So I hope I'm alive to see because he prophesied, I will not see these. I will be in heaven. And he prophesied this to a young South African minister named David Duplessis. And uh, he said, but you will see uh, two of them and da-da-da-da-da. And he, he prophesied the charismatic movement. He said, I see the Holy Spirit going into the historical churches, your Methodist, your Lutheran, your Presbyterian, your Brethren, all, and in the Catholic Church. And now back then, Pentecostals didn't think the Holy Ghost went to the Catholic Church. If you got saved, and you had to leave the Catholic Church because he would not go where there was idol worship and all. You know how all that goes. And so the Holy Spirit said, I'll go where I want to go. And I will do what I want to do with who I want to do. And so he goes straight into the Catholic Church and has what we call the Catholic Charismatic Movement. And that is radical for the early Pentecostals because they, just, they can't believe a priest could be drinking wine and smoking and speaking in tongues. Because there was no wine drinking in the Protestant church. There was no alcohol because you, if you drank, you went to hell. It's not true. It's how they believed it, though. But uh, so that move had happened. It was really great. And, and so you'll, uh, you'll enjoy reading that and understanding that prophetic word. And then I found another one that I really like. And I want to make him a little bit more known in our generation. His name is Evangelist Tommy Hicks. He's in heaven now, but he was really uh, used by God in the 50s and the 60s. And he went to Argentina uh, during the time of... Evita, everybody know what Evita is, uh, Eva Perón, yeah, during that time. He goes down there and he prays for what we would call the vice president and God heals him in the vice president's office. Oh, wow. Well, when that happens, well, blah, 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 you know, it starts like a wow, wow. And so long story short, he ends up filling the biggest stadiums in Argentina. I mean to crowd capacity and has a great healing revival. The revival comes to an end after, I guess, six to eight months or so as it was sweeping. I mean, tremendous, tremendous Healings and miracles. It was on the front page of the newspapers, the news media. God touched them in a very powerful way. He comes back to America, and it's hard to come back to a country not in that kind of move when you've been in it. And if you're not careful, you become very critical. If you're coming, and you don't need to be critical, you need to, you need to be divinely provoking people to maneuver, not, you know, slamming and condemning and damning. And, and some people, when you're in a great move, like coming from Nigeria back to America, I thought, we're all backslidden. <laughs> now, there's a little truth in that statement, but I couldn't let an attitude grow of being anti. Yeah. Because then the enemy can use that tone to shut people down and push people apart instead of making them open or consider opening and coming forward. And so he comes back and he goes around and travels and he has a dream three different times, the same dream. It's a prophetic dream. He saw a huge giant that had been tied down. That be, and it was asleep and begin to wake up. And he tries to get up three or four times, and, and he tells the vision how God interprets it. When the giant finally wakes up, that's the church, what happens? One of the things he did say, he says, I saw believers go into hospitals and empty whole floors. Hallelujah. He said, when the giant finally wakes up in its full capacity, these things will not just be projection or false hope. It'll be things that we can register as this happened. Yeah. And so I want to give those things to you so you can put those in your spirit because Canada belongs in the middle of that. Amen. 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 Not on the sidelines, in the middle, helping us lead it, helping us having a great time. Amen. The Canadian Christian family is a powerful family. Amen. And that's why some of the people in your government don't like you. 
And that's why a lot of our government don't like us. You know, pray. And just enjoy the, the, the persecution. Because when you get to heaven, you'll never have it again. So you can tell Paul, I was persecuted too in a different time. And so, you know, instead of being af- afraid of it or, uh, or uh, affected negatively, I just, all right, this is the way the ball bounces. So let's just bounce with it and have a good time. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to talk to this morning a little bit about a prayer and prayer meetings. I know it sounds like an odd thing, but I, I want to start with that. In Ephesians 6, I have it in my spirit growing. Uh, pastor Gwen and I did a, a couple uh, TV shows yesterday or for her uh, pastor's table. And we talked about this, and it stayed with me all night and this morning. But verse 18, we'll start with Ephesians 6, 18. You that are watching, please have your Bibles open too, if you can. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I, I always like this verse to use when I teach on prayer because it's a great introduction, and there's a great big truth here that sometimes we miss. Uh, let me first go this way. The reason why we pray is not for ritual or routine or tradition. We pray to get answers. All right? That's why we all pray. We pray to God for him to help us out, provide for us, protect us, take care of our kids. We pray to the Father to get prayer answers. Now, I don't think you should feel guilty for wanting your prayers to be answered. So, well, I'm praying. Well, did you get an answer? Did you get a response? Is something happening in light of your request to God? And so I, don't, I want you this morning is that we want to pray because we get answers to prayer, Amen. not because it's a Christian ritual. Amen. We do not pray even in tongues as a ritual. We pray in tongues for the benefit of what tongues does for us and helps us, as well as praying in English and French. We, we pray that way to get answers. It says here, praying always, look at these words, with all prayer. Now, one translation says it a little bit better for us to understand. Praying always with all kinds of prayer or all manner of prayer. So let me illustrate the world of prayer to you and use the world of sports to be the example. The world of sports, we have this word called sports. And underneath this word sports or title, we have uh, Canadian hockey, American football, you know, we have, we have basketball, football, baseball, golf, swimming, and all of these different sports. You see, especially at Olympic time, I like the Olympics, the world's best comes to compete, and it's nice to see people go after it and win. I, I, sometimes I even cry like, oh, she won, praise the Lord, because she didn't look like she was going to win at all. And so, so, and then they tell their story of what they, where they come from and what they had. It, it inspires me. For that, that stuff moves me a little bit. I don't know if it moves you, but it moves me. But, you know, you cannot play hockey with golf rules. You can't play football with hockey rules. Uh, You can't play basketball with baseball rules. Now, we all understand that because we saw somebody out there on the baseball field trying to, 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 uh, to play baseball with hockey rules. It would not work. It's like, what? Now, apply that same thing to prayer. Here's the word prayer, and underneath it, there are different kinds of prayers. Now, different kinds of prayers, I'll give you just a few, like there's the prayer of agreement. There's the prayer of dedication and consecration. There's the prayer of faith. There's different prayers. There's the prayer of binding and loosening. There's the prayer of getting born again. So we have different prayers. And with those prayers, there are certain spiritual rules or laws that are attached to them that they are more the appropriate prayer to pray in these situations than in other situations. But people have approached prayer like it's just prayer. Like we should, it's just sports. So we can do the same thing. We walk out on the football field trying to play basketball rules with it and it don't work because the football don't bounce. But I'm trying and I prayed and it didn't work, so I'm not going to pray anymore. Well, let me just be American rude. Dummy, <laughs> you, you, you haven't learned prayer like you've learned sports. You can't play cricket with football rules. So that we, we get, But the same way it's applied, but we look at the guy that would try to do that in sports and go, what? You must be mentally ill. It doesn't work like that. We all know how these games work. But when we come to prayer, we take a different posture. 
And I think we should take the same posture as we had with sports. Okay, we love how football works. The game looks exciting. What are the rules? How do you win? How do you pass the ball? What, how does that, get, that sport, that game work? And leave it in the world of football. And then you learn basketball rules and how you got to do this and you can't do this and you got to put it on this side and you can only pass this way and you can't knock somebody over like you can in football. You can't run down the basketball court and go, bam, give me the ball. It just, it just, it don't work that way. You'll be flagged and thrown out and whistled and out. Now, this is why people, one reason why people do not get their prayers answered because they're praying the prayer of agreement with the laws of the prayer of consecration and dedication. So they're messing that up. Now, part of the problem is because most pastors won't teach this because they don't know it. They just want to talk about prayer. Prayer is the most talked about subject and the least done in Christianity. should write that down as a provoking, motivational comment. Let me say it again. Prayer is talked about a lot in Christianity, but it's least done. And we're going to talk about why. Uh, because there's a reason why when you get ready to pray, you're tired. When you get ready to pray, you're like, I got to do these three things. And you just remembered them, and you haven't remembered them for three months. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Everybody still with me? So let me read this verse again. Praying always with all kinds, all manner, all prayer, and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right, let's go to Second, uh, 1 Timothy 2, if you can go over there for a moment. We're going to read another verse. We're going to look at prayer verses here today, and then we'll come back to that point that I just made in just a moment. Hallelujah. We did a prayer, a Zoom prayer school uh, about four months, and I got to talk about some of these things a little bit more in detail, and I felt so happy I could, could do that and share that with people. And then we've been hearing good reports because people are going to get their prayers answered Amen. because they're praying the prayer that's appropriate for their situation, understanding the rules of that prayer or how the laws of that prayer work. All right. In 1 Timothy 2 and 8, uh, it says, I will therefore that men, which includes women folk, pray everywhere. That's what I want you to pray everywhere. Underline everywhere. You don't have to be in a church to pray. It's okay if you are, but it's not a requirement in Christianity that you have to be in a holy place or a church or in the sanctuary to, to pray. He says, I would that people would pray everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. That means anywhere in Canada is legal according to God to pray. Amen. Now, it may be not rules by other folks, but God says pray everywhere. Amen. In the school, in the hospital, in the, in, the, in the grocery store, in the airport, in the bus, the train station, in the lodge. Pray, 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 pray. Everywhere. Thank you for the no Canadian amens on that. <laughs> but I think this is a great verse. It, there are some people, maybe not you, but there are some people who really feel like they cannot pray and their prayers will not be heard unless they're in a sacred place like a church or a chapel or something like that. Now, it's okay to pray there, but you can get the same response and the same interaction at home, at your friend's house, out in front of your office at work where you're all praying at lunchtime or whatever. God will hear your prayer anywhere. You know, I pray all the time. I pray on the airplanes. I don't pray loud like this because I don't want to be arrested. So you have to learn how to pray in the appropriate ways that you're in. There are times I've been asked to pray on airplanes and pray for three or four people, so I'd raise my voice to that particular level so I don't draw unnecessary attention to cause problems. You know, some people are, you know, be Wigglesworth when you're supposed to be, but don't be when you're not supposed to be. Does that make sense? Uh, Smith Wigglesworth was a great British hidden evangelist, and he, he died in the 1940s, and he was known for great miracles and raised 23 people in the dead that we know about throughout his life. So it's a very powerful kind of individual. And he would, he would do things that, we, that become legendary now. Like uh, he would uh, be on a train and uh, somebody would start saying something. And he would just stand up on the train and talk to everybody on that car and have a little revival service. Uh, he, he would do things like that. Now, if that comes on you like that, then go for it. But if you don't have the unction for that, please don't do that. Do, do what you have the unction for. Does that make sense? So back, back to my little, my heavy revelation right here. Pray everywhere. This is, this is one of those deep ones we all miss. You can pray at home. You can pray in the bedroom. You can pray in the shower. You can pray in the car. You can pray everywhere. So just know that any place where you lift up your voice to the Lord, and sometimes your voice is the inner voice, 
Lord, help me in this situation. What do I say to this person while you're in? He hears that kind of prayer too. Amen. Amen. So pray everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere. And just think of the most terrible place in the world and you can pray there. Think of the most, you know, popular place, and you can pray on the Eiffel Tower. Amen. That big bin in London, and ask God to help the British. Amen. I mean, you can pray anywhere yeah. and have a good time. All right, you still happy? Let's yeah. go to the Old Testament now, and let's go to Jeremiah, the, the 33rd chapter, and we're going to look at some other, just, these are my, what I call my opening foundational verses, because I don't want to assume everybody knows these. I love Jeremiah 33 and 3, I mean, he, uh, many of you may know the verse, but uh, it was my mom's favorite verse about prayer, and it's mine too in, in the book of Jeremiah. Where are you? There it is. It's like Jeremiah's verse was hiding from me. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call unto me, and I'll ignore you forever, because I don't like you, and I'm busy with other people. Is that what the Bible says? No. That's why some people think it. And some people think it so strongly, they'll say it. I guess God's busy with somebody else. No, he's so big, he can handle everybody's situation at the same time and not be overwhelmed. Amen. That's why he's called God. Amen. Amen. He's almighty, can carry all things. Let's read what the verse says. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call unto me. That's not Pastor Gwen or me. That's the Lord. <laughs> all right. We, we may be ministers. Of the gospel, but we are not a part of the Trinity. All right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's who sits in those seats. And we walk around them. And we are around and in front of them. But we're not on the chairs. The last guy tried that got kicked out. And his name was Lucifer, okay? So we don't want to follow his example. We want to follow the other guy's examples in there, all right? All right. Call unto me. That's the Lord. And he says, I will answer you. So the next thing I want to give you is the scriptural guarantee of a response. The, the getting, to, getting people to pray, there's two things is God will respond. And that's what we call a prayer answer. All right. I will answer you. Now, this is just one verse of many verses in the Old Testament and the New where God guarantees that when you call on him, he hears you and will answer. And so don't approach him like, I hope you're up there. I hope you know where I'm at. He does. He knows how many hairs you got on your head. So just relax. <laughs> Trust these verses, not your feelings of warmth or no warmth, fuzzy feeling or no fuzzy feeling. Yeah. It's great when you feel, but it's okay when you don't. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I like feeling like you do, but I've learned how to live when I don't have a feeling with the same confidence that God hears me. He says, call unto me and I will answer you. Who? The one that called. So if God's not talking to you, maybe you've not called out to him lately. Just a thought. Well, I haven't heard God. Well, have you, have you, have you said hi? Have you said good morning? Or like, over here, I need some help on this side of the globe. Help me over. God gets all your comments. One of the great miracles we don't talk about is God speaks over seven different billion languages at the same time. Now, what does that mean? God speaks your personal language. Yeah. How you think, how you process, how you talk, he can speak your exact terminology and language. Yeah. And to me, that's a miracle. Now, if God talked to me in mathematic equations to give me types and shadows, I would not get what he was saying. Yeah. So God never talks to me and saying, well, you know, three times three is this, and you divide it by four and bigger. I would lose him after three times three. Because yeah. that's not how I process. That's not how I hear. But I'm okay if that's how you hear. If that's the language that the Lord uses with you, that's okay. He knows how to talk his will and his instructions and his guidance in the language that you speak. Amen. The actual verbal language and also in how you talk in your points of reference, he can use that. When he talks to me, he talks to me about Bible and history. I get those two things with no problem. He can mention a name or a story and I get it. Now you may not get it. Because you don't talk like that. But that's the way I talk. So this is a miracle. God speaks your language. And he speaks your five-year-old little boy's language too. Amen. Better than you. 
Amen. And I may just encourage this for while we're here. Sometimes your kids say, Mom, Dad, the, the Lord appeared to me or the Lord told me this. And they're explaining what he said in their language. And it makes no sense to you. And you just go, oh, that's precious. And you, you please don't make fun of it. Encourage, because most likely the Lord did say something to them in the language of their age level and their points of reference where they're at. God can do that. So with your children and grandchildren, when they say things like that, I would give more of a positive recognition that it's really happening than like, <laughs> no. They hear better than mom and dad. They've not been indoctrinated with unbelief yet. They've not been around hostile Christians that made them go, mm. So they, they're really open and really free, and it really happens, and it's great. And they probably see things and, and have experiences that they are telling you, but they don't use your language or adult language or Christian language to explain it. God speaks all of our languages. Call unto me, and I will answer you. All right? Then he says, the verse is not done because it's a great verse. And I will show you great and mighty things that you have not known. Now, there's some things some people have known, but I've not known them. So I want to make this point. Just because you're, my, my life, my grandmother and my mother had a lot of experiences. And they talk on I was around when some of those things would happen. Well, you know, sometimes watching it happen and having it happen to you are two different things. And so I say, well, Lord, I'm glad they had it. But I still want to put my request in. I want it too. When it's the right time for me to have that kind of happen, then let it happen. So in this prayer, let the Lord do the great and mighty things that you've not known, Amen. that you've not experienced, yeah. that we have not known as a body too. So let's be open to that. The supernatural should be a part of our life. That's what sets Christianity apart from other religions. It's not the only thing, but it is one great thing is the supernatural side. Those are the activity of God in natural conduct of man. God interrupts them shrinks the time or removes the element of whatever the challenge is, and bam, he moves something supernaturally for you. I'm so glad our God's like that. I don't want to be a Buddhist. I don't want to be a Muslim. I want to be a Christian. I like Jesus. He looks good. He's not overweight, and he's not weird. See, that only goes over for a few people. And I can tell some of you have not seen other gods before. I was uh, in some part of Southeast Asia, and I, I, maybe some of you would know what the God, the, the one little God that I went into the temple. I was in the middle of the jungle, middle of the jungle, walking through the jungle, sweating like a dog, walking through the Burmese jungle. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this temple in the middle of the jungle with little priesty dudes running around. So I'm like, well, we're going to sit down here and rest because at least they have some steps. And, and so they took me in, and we, both, we discovered that we were both holy men. He was holy, and I was holy, so we're holy people. And so we were talking about it. I said, well, why don't you show me your God? So he takes me inside. He has a pointy head, about 15 breasts and six arms. I thought, you want to look like that? Because what you serve, you become like. What you worship, you take on their nature. So you, you might want to be really careful. And I know you're not supposed to say that in Canada, but I will. Because I tell some people, we don't want to argue religion or theology. I said, just line up all the gods. And pick the nicest one. And Jesus always wins. Amen. So that's one way to be a soul winner without having a lot of drama. Amen. Just line up all the gods that I'm telling you what they do and what they do and what the requirements are. And which one's the nicest and the easiest to get along with, pick that one. And Jesus and the Father always wins that. Amen. Good preaching, Brother Laird and amen. amen. All right, let's go to the New Testament and give us a New Testament verse that confirms the one that I just read to you. Let's go to 1 John, the little book of 1 John. 1 John, we'll find it. It's a, there's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 1 John, you've got to teach people the Bible books again because we don't teach them no more. It's true. I mean, we used to get Sunday school. We had to quote the New Testament books in order, and then we got a nice big candy bar. So we're very happy about that. And so it's amazing what we did for candy. And it's amazing what we did for Kenya that stuck with us through our life. <laughs> those Bible verses and those stories, I still remember. So it's, it's exciting. So never look at your children's ministry as, ah, it's, children. it's not babysitting, it's ministering to them. That when they grow older, they'll have that in them to help them make decisions and live better and treat people right. 
and, and know that God is for them. And in 1 John 5 and verse 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence that we have in Christ or in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, verse 15, whatsoever we ask, we shall know that he, we have the petitions that we desired of Him. So we have here in the New Testament a confirmation of the Old Testament verse in principle that when you pray, you get an answer. So let's go back through this. We have this confidence. We have this assurity that we, ha that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will. Stop there. His will, not some goofy will that you have. Thank you for the laughter of the mother superior here. And... Um, well, that, that's a point here. Here's, here's, here's one of the rules of prayer that we need to recognize. If we're praying contrary to the will of God like this, oh, God, give them cancer because they've been so mean to me. That is not a prayer that the Lord wants to answer or nor does he want to hear. All right? So that's why it's important that we see this according to his will because there are some times that you and me, and I'll just point at me, that we want to take some people out of the church and minister to them very naturally. <laughs> They have frustrated, they have caused pressure, and we all have that in the workplace with our relatives and friends like, can I have five minutes where I can just punch them and it'll be okay. And since we can't punch them, we have what we call mean praying. God, get them. And then you tell them how you want God to get them. Go take their car from them. Go, you know, people pray mean things. What didn't God answer? He don't answer those kind of prayers. It's not in his will. He wants people to change by the goodness Amen. of God, and the kindness brings people to change. Our God works on the good side, not the bad side. So if you get into a conflict with a friend or a relative or a co-worker in your place that's really irritating you, when you see them coming to the office, your blood boils just by looking at them. Now, I know that's not supposed to be true, but it's true. It's because we're people. Instead of praying, oh, no, I had one lady say, I'm praying they get COVID. I thought, I bind you. I bind your words and you. Yeah, amen. You know, I said, lady, don't do that. She, well, they make me so angry how they treat my kids. I said, well, remove your kids from the scenario so they can't happen and pray blessing because in Christianity, we're taught that our God overcomes evil by doing good. Amen. So I know you want to slap them. I know you want them to be fired. You have to see them every day in the office at the coffee pot. All right? I get it. But why don't we pray, Lord, heal their hurts. Provide them with more money. Give them what they need that will cause that. You're turning into a happy person. Now, that's how the will of the Lord is. Now, sometimes you're praying that with why you're grinding your teeth, but at least you're praying the will of the Lord. And you might want to add it in your prayer. And help me, Jesus to be able to deal with these things more righteously and more honestly than more carnal and, well, we won't go any further. And uh, <coughs> everybody get that? So we pray blessing. We pray good. <coughs> like one person hit my car and their car was so old, it was worth nothing. And I'm like, my car is only a year old and you just give it a big dent with the car that should not be on the road. So I wasn't a happy camper a little bit, but thank God I was insured and all that. And, and I was really upset, and then I found myself thinking, why are you even driving a car like that? So I began to have a, an attitude that was not right. And I caught myself. You know, the Holy Spirit spanked you. Bam, and slapped you. Like, what are you doing? I said, well, give him a new car then. And I changed my whole attitude and said, Father, you know, maybe they bumped into me today so I can pray this prayer for them. And let them get a new car that works by gas and petrol, not by faith. <laughs> Does that make sense? And now when, I'm, when I drive around from that incident, I, I, when I drive around wherever I'm, and I see a bad car or a car that looks really bad, I thought, Jesus, give them a new car. Even if they're bad people, give them a new car and let them know that you gave it to them. Yeah. And I just pray little prayers like that. I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to get all kinds of, I got a new car because you prayed for me. I pray for Africans. I pray for Nigerians. I pray for English. I pray for the French. I pray for whatever country. I'm like, Lord, give them a new car. And I pray for McDonald's to stay in business. You say, why would you do that? Because overseas, it helps missionaries stay. I know you didn't get that. I'll have to preach that some other time. So why we, I sent missionaries and missionaries, American missionaries, and probably Canadian missionaries. They go through cultural withdrawals. It's amazing how McDonald's helps people get through that. 
So I always pray for McDonald's to stay alive and functioning in a foreign field. So those missionaries, when they start going, I need America, I need Canada, they can go get a Big Mac and be happy for another six weeks. <laughs> All right, you'll get that next year. All right, so let's go back to um, verse four. Are you enjoying this this morning? Yep. All right. Church is fun. Amen. All right. We have this confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, like I really believe God helped people get cars. As simple as that is in my story, I really believe in my heart that God wants people to have good cars for their family and their kids and their work. So that's his will to bless them and to honor them, and that he will hear us because I'm praying God wants to bless people. God wants to help people. I'm praying his will. I know he hears me. And then the next verse says, and if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition or the request of him. So I have a confidence when I get to heaven, I'm going to be one of the blessed, most blessed people. I'll probably get lots of chariots because I've prayed for so many cars for people to get. Amen. So pray blessing on people. That's the will of the Lord, especially the ones that really make you angry, that really challenge your Christianity. Pray for them. And sometimes I don't want to just pray in tongues in their direction. And the Holy Spirit will help you pray the right way. Now, let's go to Matthew 26, where I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning. I wanted to give those verses to you, because I think it's good to lay those prayer foundations, remind us of some of these verses. I want to look at the most, I should say, the Lord's prayer meeting, the most intense prayer meeting that Jesus led when he was on the earth, okay? Um, Jesus had a prayer meeting. In Matthew 26, it's when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, we all got to be aware of the Garden of Gethsemane. It begins the, the whole death, burial, and resurrection, what we call the Calvary uh, journey starts, and it really starts in the garden where he's up there praying, and, 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 and he's asking the Lord, is there any other way to do this besides this? And if you understand, he's going to feel it like we feel it. He's not in divinity doing this. He's in humanity doing this. Yeah. And so it's going to be painful. It's, it's a, he was aware and so I don't find his actions here offensive. I, 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 I can relate to them. And he's saying, Lord, if there's any other way that this cup or this way of doing redemption, can we please do that? But if not, your will be done. Let's start with verse uh, 36 of Matthew 26. It says, Jesus came with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. He must be a Southern American. Because yonder is how we all talk. Over there, it's over yonder. It's a half a mile or to 30 miles. It's yonder. So you have to clarify how big your yonder is. So he told, he, he took the, the 12 disciples with him. And he had them stay at a certain place. And he took with him three of the disciples, Peter and the two sons of, Zeb, of Zebedee. And began to become very sorrowful and very heavy. That's what you call a prayer burden. Because in the natural, there was nothing at this time causing any type of this pressure. There was no attack against him. There was nothing going on that you could see. It was a spiritual thing. So when you're a Christian and we have these burdens or you feel sorrowful, you feel something's not right, you have a concern, those are things are, are your spiritual notifications that you need to pray. You need to stop for a moment, pull yourself aside the fastest you can, and inquire of the Lord or just go pray until that burden lifts or gets to the point you can carry it until you get home and or at the church and finish it out. Does that make sense? So he had what we would call a prayer burden, sorrowful. He took on the emotion, the feeling of what was happening uh, to a person or to this situation, and he became very heavy. Uh, that's the opposite, very light. Heavy is a sadness. Heavy is a overwhelmness. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a negative kind of thing than a positive, but it is a part of the prayer burden. Then he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. So he, he tells Peter, James, and John, guys, this thing is so heavy on me, it's, I feel like death is in me. And he's also, the process of death is not far from him. And that's why he's carrying it. And he says, watch with me. He invites the three disciples to participate in the most intense prayer meeting that Jesus had on the earth, yeah. the Garden of Gethsemane. Wouldn't you love to have been there? Yeah. I mean, I would love just to watch, but they didn't get to watch. They got to participate with him. Come and pray with me. Come and participate. All right? And so, and he went a little further, verse 39, 
and fell on his face, Christ did, and prayed. Here's what Jesus prayed. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's the prayer of dedication and consecration to the Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I would prefer to do something different. I prefer there was a different way. But if this is the only way, then so be it. I will make my will come in line, and I will pick it up, and I will carry it, and I will do it with all my heart, soul, and might. All right? And so he's praying like this. He's going through his prayer meeting, uh, his prayer. And, and verse 40, he comes to his disciples and finds them all asleep. His three that he picked. Think the Lord asked you to pray with him, and he only goes maybe 10 feet in front of you and praying, and he comes back around looking like, what's wrong with you boys? They're all sleeping. Uh, so when you fall asleep at a prayer meeting, uh, it's scriptural. <laughs> we, 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 we have a story here where it happens too. Now, I say that to make this point that, you know, Peter, James, and John were not bad guys, but they were people like us. And prayer meetings, we have a problem with our flesh, Question when it's tired and going all day and you want to go pray. Because the reason why that's tough for you is because your spirit does not really need the body or the mind so much to participate in the work of the Lord. And so your mind and body gets, well, you're not using me, so I'm tired. Does that make sense? So uh, I, I'll teach it like this. I don't kneel and pray because if I kneel, I sleep. Now, I know how my body works. So I pray, even my little hotel room here, and I, I walk, I get my body walking in a routine. Just maybe around, if I'm at home, I'm around the table through the front room and back, around the table, for, and I get into a little walking routine and forget my body. Yeah. It's doing its thing and it's working so it can just shut up and leave me alone while I'm praying. Yeah. But if I kneel too long, sleepest thou comes upon me. <laughs> and so I know my body, so you have to know how your body works in prayer meetings. Now, if you can kneel and pray or sit and pray, then go for it. But know how your body works so it doesn't take over your time in prayer. Does that make sense? And so, to me, this is a, a reality. Jesus had a prayer meeting, and the people went to sleep on him in prayer. So when that happens to you, Pastor Gwen, you're just like Jesus. But we want to be. See, this is, my jokes are bombing really bad today. I don't, but everybody get the point? And he, and he says to them in verse 40, he comes and finds the disciples and finds them asleep. And he says to Peter, he's the number one mouthpiece of the, of the apostles. And he says to Peter, why couldn't you pray and watch with me for at least an hour? Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now watch this. You want to come to church tonight? Oh yeah, you're here when we dismiss. We'll see you tonight. And some of you, before you get to the 6.30 at service, you'll already be too tired. Your spirit was willing, your flesh was weak, and you didn't show. All right, that's, that's the war. That's the, that's the war we're always going to have. Even for the greatest matured person in God, you're always going to have a conflict with your natural fleshly person. It's not your enemy. You just have to learn how to govern and how to, how to slap it when you need to slap it. Then get in line, we're going to do this, and you're going to do and participate right. Everybody with me? Yeah. So the Spirit is willing. Oh, I want to go on that missions trip. <laughs> Woo! Yes, your Spirit's all willing. And then you go home and you face your money. And you don't apply faith or a seed to get the money you need for the trip, and so I just can't go. Your Spirit was willing, but your flesh was weak, and thus it said, we can't do it. Does that make sense? So we have that conflict. Now, back to verse 40. Now, this is the only time that Jesus has, makes a statement about how long a prayer could be or should be. He says, you could not pray for, with me an hour. Now, he could have said 30 minutes. He could have said five hours. But he said an hour. This is the only place he puts a time connection to our prayers. Now, I don't want anybody to get under bondage here because I don't pray an hour every day. Some days I do and some days I don't because some days it, it, it doesn't work, but I do pray every day. All right. But Jesus said an hour. So I think if he made a comment to his disciples about an hour, there may be something significant to that. It may be something that you want to work up to in your prayer life that you can pray an hour and not worry about it. I sure as I said an hour, I assume your face went. <laughs> I get the look. I, I, I understand. You're like, I can hardly go for 15. You want me to go for another 45 minutes after that? Well, that's our goal. 
And, and, and I think that would be a goal that we could have in our prayer life, that we could eventually come to the place as a family at home and as a church family here that you can pray at least an hour and not think twice about it. Now, you don't get there overnight. I was trained to pray by my mom and grandma. And this is how they trained us as little kids. Some of you might have heard me tell the story, but it's worth telling again. Back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. We had kitchen timers. And we didn't even use the microwave clock. We didn't have those either. We had old kitchen timers. And so we were little, about five, six years old. So we, we, we were kids. But we were being trained to be prayerful people and Christian people and have fun in life. And so they set us to pray for five minutes. We prayed every night. I'm sure we missed a night, but I don't remember the nights we missed because we didn't miss that many. Because my grandmother and mother were prayer people, so we prayed around about 7, 7.30. Now, they prayed an hour to two hours, and that's not exaggerating. So we grew up. Now, as little kids praying with them, we got done in five minutes, but we couldn't go watch TV. We couldn't go into our bedrooms. We had to stay in the front room where we were praying uh, until everybody was done praying, and then we could get up. That's how we were trained. So two and a half minutes was in, was in English, and two and a half minutes was in tongues, and so as we were little, they helped us know what to pray. So they would pray in English, and we'd repeat after them. And so we, we began to be taught how to pray the word, how to pray our own type of request. And slowly we developed that muscle in us to know how to pray in English with fervency and with confidence and with, with sincerity, all the things you do. And then tongues too. Now the rule in tongues was you had to pray loud enough for your ears to hear your voice. Now, some of you talk to your kids like this all the time. You talk to God like this. There's a problem with the two extremes. Let's kind of put them in the middle here. Let's raise your voice up with the Lord. You don't talk to your wife or your friends like, how you doing? Glad to see you. We don't talk. We're like, do you have a problem with your voice? There's just some people like, but somehow when we come to God, we, we, we lower our voice, and we don't want to be in the screaming side. Now, I don't mind yellers. But that's not the normal way you pray. You know, hey, God, you don't talk about that all the time. You will lose your voice in about 30 minutes if you do that all the time. But you have to learn what, what's the balance. And my family's balance, which I think to be a good balance, is you pray according to your, your own ears hearing your voice. Grandma would say, if I can't hear it, I doubt if God can hear it. Now, that's grandma. It's not scripture. But some of grandma's little statements really do help you in life as you get older. Is that if I can't hear it, I doubt if God can hear it. So they'll lift up your voice and pray like you're talking to him and treat him like a friend. And so we grew up with that kind of instruction, and that's how they lived too. It wasn't something they told us to do and they didn't do. They did it too. So we grew up, and I didn't know we were special until I started traveling as a 17-year-old preacher around the country preaching, and I thought, these people don't pray. I never knew what the word of, let's have a word of prayer. I didn't know what that meant because we never had a word of prayer. We had prayer. When I started traveling, then I understood a word of prayer meant like, you know, 30 seconds of praying. Oh, Lord, bless us tonight in this service. Amen. Uh, fine. But the first two times I went out to preach, they said, let's pray. Well, in my mind, you get on your knees and you go at it until you feel a release. I scared the pastor. I scared the elders. I scared their wives. And when I finally got through praying 20, 30 minutes later, and I looked up, they're all just staring at me. I said, well, you said pray. And that's when I realized most people didn't pray like we prayed. That's when I realized it by having shocked and, and rude looks at you. Because I prayed like we did at home for God to move, for, to talk with him. And so for you, could you do that in your life? Could you pray loud enough for your own ears to hear your voice when you're at home or when you're in the right situations? If you want to get louder, God doesn't care. If you're too loud, he can adjust the volume. So God is never going to be upset over how loud you are. Pastor Gwen might, I might, Archbishop might, you know, but God's not going to have a problem with that. But I do think if you pray with your loud, loud enough of your voice to hear your ears, it starts getting rid of shameless, insecurity. Some of those things disappear out of your life. I know they disappeared out of my life because we prayed like that, and I'm sure it would work the same with you. So he, he says, would you pray an hour? Now, an hour of prayer for us Today is really just get going because there's so much going on in our lives, in our cities, in our nations that needs to have prayer and attention. And so maybe you could just work up to that. By the time we were 13, 14 years old, 
Me and my sister could pray an hour and a half, two hours with my mom and grandma and not think twice about it. But we built up to that over time. Now, the problem is you don't have a grandmother that makes you do this. So I wish you all could go let my grandma train you for about six months and you'd be a whole lot better people. Because she made you keep your promise to God. She, was, she kept you accountable until it became a way of life. And so she, she, she made sure we, she prayed every day, probably twice a day. She usually prayed at 11 o'clock was her normal prayer time. That's when her and Jesus met first. Because when she was 17 years old, she started praying about from about 10 to 12 o'clock was 10, 10 to 11 or 11 to 12 was her prayer time because she was a nanny was a young girl and they took their nap about that time the kids did so she'd go to her bedroom while they were napping and do her prayer and developed her prayer time so she kept that all the way until the end of her life so as a little kid we'd go to her prayer prayer time in the summer and we'd go she hey, we had to get her, go to her prayer room her prayer room was her bedroom and uh we had to go to the bathroom or go to the toilet because you can't go during prayer. You go before and after, not during. And so that was just the rule. So we all had to do our thing, go to the bathroom, and we could bring our coloring books, our little trucks, our toys, and get in the room because you're not going to get out until Grandma's done praying. And she would kneel in front of the door so we couldn't open it and get out. Because when Grandma prayed, she left earth consciousness and became spiritually more aware. So you could sneak out of the room and she wouldn't know it. So she, my sister was sneaky. So I wasn't as sneaky, but she was sneakier than I was. And so she would get out and go answer the phone, answer the front door, and, and you know, think somebody's at the front door. Well, uh, Grandma's praying. We don't know when she'll be done. And, it's, it's, and she was all kind of crazy. So that's why she knelt in front of the door, so we couldn't get out and cause trouble. There's always a way to pray with your kids. My grandmother prayed with her children. She had three little girls, and she had two boys. She had five kids. And uh, the, my mother was one, and there was my two aunts. And when they were little and they would crawl and be little kids, she would kneel and put their little dress, into their dresses under her knee so they couldn't crawl all over the floor. They could only crawl just a little bit around them, you know, and sit there and play while she'd pray. There's always a way to, to pray. Right. You can create a way to take care of your kids, your dog, the neighbor, the president. You can find a way to fix all those things. <laughs> Thank you for the no amens on that whatsoever. <laughs> but you have to be creative about some of these things, you know. How to do that. And it's good that your children see you do what you tell them to do. And training them means doing it with them. Not just telling them, you know. And doing this, and when they go to sleep, I lay my head to sleep before God to keep. Oh, stupid prayers. Stupid, stupid. Don't pray those kind of stupid prayers. Pray a prayer. Pray the prayer that for God out of the word. Don't pray one of these traditional prayers. It's real cute and does nothing. I want something that does something. I don't want a cute prayer. I want something that works. I want a prayer answer. Good morning, everybody. And don't turn me off. I'm not done. <laughs> so let me come back to this for the third. Could we uh, somehow try to work an hour of prayer? No. Yeah. Uh, with people today, I've been trying to encourage people to pray. And if I tell them to pray 10 minutes, they'll go, yes, we'll pray 10. And never do it. So I make them a liar by having them commit to do that. And then they don't do it. So I come up with a, an easier plan that maybe it'll work here in Canada to help you get started. Um, I call it the red light prayers. When you're driving to work and you get a, a red light and you stop, pray in tongues until it turns green. Amen. And the next one, it's red, then do the same thing, and on the way home, do that. It's amazing how 45 seconds of prayer starts into getting for a minute and it starts running. So if you're busy and your life is crazy, can you use the red light prayer ministry? When you're in a stoplight or you're with somebody, just pray in tongues. If you don't like the red light, then have the radio on and pray the length of a song. There's ways you can create developing that prayer muscle so you don't commit to a 20-minute thing that you're never going to do. Do what you can do, and then when you get covered, you automatically increase. You automatically go over, and it's not a burden. Amen? Everybody still with me? Yeah. All right, let's finish this up, and then we'll close, close this out today. In, in verse, verse 42, he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may, uh, may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. He came and found them asleep again. Ah, what a great prayer meeting. The Lord's prayer warriors are all sleeping. He's the only one praying. For their eyes were heavy. Interesting, huh? Their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again, verse 44, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he comes to the disciples, 
and said to them, Sleep on, boys. Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that will, do, that will betray me. So he got to the point. The prayer meeting was over. He got his answer. There is not going to be another way. This is going to be the way it's going to be. And there came the strengthening of that knowing. And he knew no more prayer required. We prayed. We got our answer. We got, the, we got what we're going to do. And you guys, if you want to, just keep on sleeping. But uh, it's all starting to happen right now. And they missed the Lord's greatest prayer meeting on earth. The prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. Think this was the prayer meeting that led to the redemption of your life, your family and mine and millions of people throughout time. This was the prayer meeting and they slept through it. And when I get to heaven, I'll ask Peter, did you have any dreams? <laughs> James and John, did you have any prophetic dreams while you were sleeping during that Gethsemane prayer meeting? Now you all woke up on that joke. You got that really good. But today I just wanted to share with you because corporate prayer meetings are going to become more important to your country and mine. And with the issues of what's happening in our country with COVID and who knows what the future holds. It's not going to be an easy road in the future. There's still going to be bumps. There's still going to be challenges. There's still going to be probably more cousins of COVID coming. So and the people with no faith are going to react by fear. And they're going to do all kinds of things. So you're going to have to stay in the spirit, stay in faith, stay that we're in the last days. We were told there would be plagues. Jesus told us plagues were coming. So welcome to an end time prophecy fulfillment. Yep. All you end time prophecy people, check the box. Plague has come. All right. So we're in a worldwide plague. So we shouldn't be that shocked by it. I think, it, I think this one really shocked the whole world and the whole body of Christ. I didn't hear any prophetic people give us a warning. I mean, they, there might have been some out there. I didn't hear them. You know, and I, I listened to lots of them. I travel around and hear them. I, this really just came, and even the prophets didn't know. Even the Snoopy ones didn't know. They didn't know. They prophesied about Trump, but they didn't find anything about the, the virus that went around the world. So let's um, fine-tune our hearing and our seeing so we can know what's really coming. And, and, and the prophets fine-tune themselves a little bit sharper so that God can speak to us about what is happening and what will be. God sends prophetic warnings not to scare you, but to help you prepare naturally, emotionally, spiritually, family-wise. So we're going to be told things. There are going to be hours where the clouds are dark, but the word of the Lord shall bring the light and the hope and the shelter of his safety. Amen. And we don't have to be afraid. And prayer meetings are going to be more important to us than they have been for several decades because it's not just personal prayer time, it's corporate prayer time. That we come together as a church family or in some kind of Zoom prayer meeting, we can do both. I know that these things work, but it's good to come together and at least pray an hour. You know, call it the hour of power. Amen. The hour of power prayer meeting. Pray an hour and uh, you can lead it different ways, but we're going to have to come together and pray. Bring your wife, bring your husband, bring your children and come and pray and pray about things that we need to pray about in your community, in your nation, in our world. And just pray and keep all the family members here in the church protected and covered by the hand and the blood of the Lord and praying the prayers and keeping those things away. We don't need to be afraid of, of diseases. We don't need to be afraid of financial collapses. These, these things, I think, are going to keep happening throughout the seasons that we're in. And so, but we are going to be the children of the light. Where there is gross and tremendous sin, grace does much more abound. So let's jump into the much more abounding side and abound right on down the road and have a good time. Did you enjoy my message this morning? All right. You willing to start praying a little bit more? Out loud? With your kids? All right. We have about, oh, I don't have any kids. Lord, give them some kids. Let's pray and then we'll give it back to Pastor Gwen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We open up this, this service here today, this special Sunday, a twofold service in this day. We thank you that we have allowed the word to stir us in our prayer lives. Let's all just begin to pray for a little bit right now. Oh, Father, we just pray right now over the church family here. 
and them that are watching. We pray that sickness and disease is being removed from the midst of them. We are thank you that the word declares that God will remove sickness and disease from the midst of his people. I pray today that sicknesses and diseases and ailments are being removed from the midst of the people of this house. Let them be the healed and the healthy of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that those that may even be sick today, you will touch them and heal them and give them a divine resistance to all types of forms of viruses and diseases. And we break the spirit of fear that comes with our present condition in this nation. We bind up that spirit of fear that says we're going to get sick and die. We're going to get sick and be paralyzed. We break those words over us in Jesus' name. We break those word curses over our families in Jesus' name. And we say we're the healed and the healthy of the Lord. And that our God removes sickness and disease from the midst of us and our food. We thank you, Father, that we will not live in financial stresses. I thank you that you honor the tithers and the givers in this church and other churches. Father, the tithing covenant, let it be active for the people here. That which they've sown, you've received. That which they've given, you've received. And that you would take it into your hand. And you would behold it. You would look at it and know what it means. And then, Father, you said that you would cause a financial harvest of blessing to come back into our lives. Let miracle money come into people's lives. Miracle opportunities come into people's lives. Miracle happenings in their life that the hand of the Lord moved on their behalf and their children's behalf for opportunity, financial blessing. Father, let people have good jobs. Let them rise to the top of their companies. Let them be favored in the workplace and be trusted in the workplace, we pray. We pray that for you today. Father, we repent of prayerlessness. Father, every one of us come before you humbly and say we should have prayed more at times and we didn't do it. So we acknowledge that prayerlessness in our life and we ask, forgive us for that. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us afresh to give us the, the get up and go to go do our prayers that we need to do for ourselves and for others. Right now, let all the guilt that you may have because you've not prayed like you should or the way you know you should. We thank you, Father, that you remove shame and guilt and there'll come a fresh desire to pray again and to do better from this day forward. We pray for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give God a good shout and a good clap offering. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W3B1.